and good morning. It's Monday, the 19th of March, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. We have a lot to discuss today. But first, I just realized this is episode number 11. That means we've already done 10 episodes in just the past two and a half or three weeks or so. So this is really awesome for me. Um, obviously, thank you so much for your support, for, for listening to this podcast, and of course, including and especially sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. Also, I've received a lot of really great feedback, so thank you so much for that. You know who you are. Listening rates, I'm proud to announce, have continued to increase at an increasing rate. Obviously, we don't have that many data points yet, but so far, first results are inspiring indeed. So thank you again so much for that. Today, as I said, lots to discuss. Almost certainly we'll be publishing the second segment of this uh, tomorrow rather than doing all of it today. It appears that 15 minutes is roughly the sweet spot for these episodes. Um, we'll be discussing quite a bit. Here we go. Uh, Trolley Paradox, need to revisit that because got some really great feedback from an individual on LinkedIn. Hopefully we can actually get some quotes from him. But uh, So that'll be the first point. Uh, second of all, we will be discussing this concept of well, it's a rather silly term, really, uh, bad actors, this legal term, uh, really the issue of sort of who's responsible, who's liable, what happens in the instance of, say, a criminal jump, jumping in front of an autonomous car, forcing it to come to a stop so they can then carry on some sort of crime to the car or the occupants within. It sounds almost comically funny, but when you think about it, it's a very serious problem. Also, Chrysler, uh, they've been very sort of not in the spotlight lately, until now, there is something pretty awesome I want to discuss specifically, but also with respect to Chrysler as a whole. Could they be the next big thing? But first, the responsibility and liability of accidents involving autonomous cars. This needs to be discussed first because this morning, tragic breaking news, a pedestrian has just been killed by an autonomous Uber test vehicle in Tempe, Arizona. So let's dive into that first. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, first things first, yes, we've got the tragic breaking news to report this morning. A pedestrian walking her bicycle, 49-year-old Elaine Hertzberg, across an intersection in Tempe, Arizona at Mill Avenue and Curry Road. She was indeed struck by a fully autonomous Uber test vehicle. Not too many details yet. I'm actually getting this news right now from an article at The Verge. Uh, it looks like uh, she was struck, taken to hospital, where she later died from her injuries. An Uber spokesperson says, quote, Our hearts go out to the victim's family. We are fully cooperating with local authorities in their investigation of this incident, close quote. Uh, Uber has apparently gone ahead and pulled all of its self-driving cars from public roads uh, in the entire state of Arizona, including cities like San Francisco, Toronto, and Pittsburgh. 
According to Uber, uh, it looks like the vehicle was indeed traveling in fully autonomous mode. What's interesting, I say interesting, what's really shocking, therefore, is that, well, there was a safety driver behind the wheel of the crash. So this raises a lot of questions, not least of which, why couldn't the safety driver take over? What really were the particular details of this incident? What what the heck happened? How could this have happened? So uh, this would apparently make this uh, pedestrian... One of the first, not the first one, but but one of the first known victims of a car crash involving a self-driving car. So uh, obviously really tragic news this, and uh, that's about all we have. There aren't that many details yet. Obviously we will update in a future episode as more details become known to us. That said, this is the perfect, if tragic, segue to uh, really the first topic to discuss today, which is indeed who or what should take full responsibility on whom should liability land in the incident of an autonomous car accident with respect to damage to property or injury or death to other persons. So let's dive in and talk about that right now. All right, so this, as I said, really segues quite neatly into this discussion about uh, who bears responsibility on whom should liability fall in the instance of autonomous vehicle causing death or injury or damage to property. Um, This is a really long convoluted discussion. And frankly, I've started recording this segment probably six or seven times now. It just keeps spiraling out of control. So let me just really try to distill it to its core components. And then this will be a thing we'll be revisiting many times in the future and subsequent episodes, I have no doubt. Um. First of all, it depends whether we're talking about fully autonomous level five vehicles, in which case the humans are just passengers and they have no way to interact with the car whatsoever, in which case, in general, the default rule should be no liability to occupants, full responsibility, full liability on the manufacturer of the vehicle. Now, excluding level five autonomous vehicles, so just looking at levels one, two, three, and four, these are vehicles which have some degree of autonomy, um, but where the human is expected and indeed required to intervene as necessary? Well, we can take guidance from the aviation world. Pilots have long enjoyed the the comforts of uh, autopilot systems. As most of you probably know, airplanes essentially fly themselves uh, from A to B with the exception of takeoff and landing, although even landings in certain scenarios at certain airports in the world that utilize so-called Category 3C instrument approach systems Airplanes there can do full auto land in zero, zero conditions, meaning zero visibility at zero altitude. Point is, though, pilots are first of all always held responsible, even in the, inc- even in the case of uh, mechanical failure, uh, you know, they're expected to be able to compensate accordingly. Most tragically infamous example of this, of course, is Air, uh, Air France Flight 447 from Rio de Janeiro to Paris several years ago when the Airbus A330, I believe it was, uh, had speed sensors called pitot tubes. These froze over in a storm cloud. When they froze over, the aircraft flight computer was not able to get adequate um, airspeed information. This then caused the autopilot to disengage. Pilots couldn't re-engage it, and due to the disorienting effects of being in a storm cloud system at nighttime where everything is black and the human body has a very hard time sort of getting orientated to know where it's sort of up, down, left, right, and so on. Well, they just simply weren't able to compensate. They went into a steep vertical uh, ascent 
Uh, instead of leveling off to maintain airspeed, they then went into a stall, sort of spiraled out of the sky, fell and crashed into the water below. Obviously a very tragic thing, but the point is, yes, the initial tragedy was caused by what was apparently a design defect in those airspeed sensors, but the actual cause of crash was really the pilot's failures to uh, to compensate for what had gone wrong. They should have been able to take over and control the aircraft, even in the absence of autopilot, because of course they should have. Um, so if we look at that uh, as guidance, and th- then I think we can apply that to the autonomous car realm, right? Where we would say simply really the same thing. In an autonomous car, levels one, two, three, and four, but not levels five, uh, the human driver must always have primary responsibility. Uh, It is their duty to be willing and able to take control as necessary. And um, obviously then we have the, you know, if obviously something goes wrong with the car, if there's a mechanical defect, then again, the question is going to be, well, could have and should have and did in fact the driver take adequate control to mitigate further damage or harm, death and injury and so on and so forth. I don't think this is really rocket science, um, and apparently neither does Volvo. Volvo have actually just said, well, not just said, they said this a couple of years ago uh, as part of their Vision 2020 mission to essentially eliminate all death or serious injury to, to humans. They have said, look, if any accident is caused by any of our semi-autonomous cars, let alone our future fully autonomous cars, we, Volvo, will take full liability for what happened. I mean, that's a pretty... That's a pretty tall order. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. And I think it really sets sort of a precedent. And as I said, in conjunction with what we can learn from the aviation industry, uh, I think that is the way to go about it. But I would add the additional layer of, first of all, look to the human operator in addition to, and then look to the, the manufacturer. So I don't think this is rocket science, but I do think it's going to reveal a lot of sort of nuanced detail that needs to be fleshed out over time. So I'm going to cut this short here. Uh, There's a lot more to discuss about this. Do let me know what you think. We will discuss this more in future episodes. Right, so now we're going to discuss this situation involving bad actors, basically people, criminals, who are determined to cause harm against an autonomous car, including and especially against its occupants inside. Now, I realize if this were a cartoon, this would almost be kind of funny. I mean, imagine you get a bunch of bad guys who jump in front of an autonomous car, forcing it to come to a stop because, of course, they know that the vehicle will have pedestrian detection, obviously, and will come to a stop. They then jump around it and circling the car such that the car is now effectively trapped because, of course, autonomous cars are going to be programmed with what is essentially uh, Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics, one of which says a robot shall never harm a human. Um, And then they can carry on whatever crime they wish against the car or its occupants inside. So the question becomes, how is a self-driving car supposed to deal with these scenarios? What's to stop criminals from simply jumping in front of them and forcing them to a stop? Well, I haven't really read or heard any sort of solution to this problem. I don't think this is going to be a fringe case. I think this is going to occur, sadly, more often than not in early days, unless and until a solution is found, because why wouldn't it? Well, here's my solution. I'm not pretending for a moment this is an optimal one. I can only suggest that it is perhaps 
the the least suboptimal one. Here it goes. It's going to require some pretty clever AI magic and trickery. It's going to require especially some really good facial recognition. Here's how it's going to work. There's sort of three elements here. I think that if, first of all, a an autonomous car sees a pedestrian crossing its path, and if it sees that pedestrian stop in its path, and if, and this is the critical bit, if it can determine that the pedestrian is looking straight at the vehicle, then, frankly, the autonomous car should determine that uh, this is indeed a bad actor determined to get the car to come to a stop, and it should do what it can to... Uh, to, to what will not, it should certainly not be stopping, is my point. Uh, instead, it should do what it can to go around that pedestrian. Obviously, I'm not suggesting for a second it should continue and intentionally run over that person, no, but it should do what it can to avoid that person altogether, drive around them, stop, turn around quickly, accelerate the other way, and so on. I just, uh, I can't imagine anything else. And in any event, I think this kind of goes back to our discussion from our previous episode about the trolley paradox, where I'm sort of suggesting that we should essentially program these autonomous cars with sort of the same logic with which humans would operate under the so-called emergency doctrine. We'd be essentially applying um, sort of common law that we've, you know, we've accepted and that we applied to humans, and we should now apply them to to autonomous cars as well. So I don't know. This is, um, I know it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek discussion to have, but I think it's a very real one, uh, a very important one. Uh, So let me know what you think, honestly. Let's discuss this going forward because this is a tricky one. I think this may actually be the trickiest, almost maybe of all the scenarios to really figure out and get it just right. So uh, let me know what you think. Looking forward to talking about it. Right. Uh, as anticipated at the start of this episode, this is going to go on far too long, so I'm going to call it quits here. We are going to split this episode into two segments, the second part of which I promise to do my best to record and publish tomorrow. The topics I want to discuss are, first of all, a revisit of the trolley paradox. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got some really great feedback from someone on LinkedIn. Hopefully we can actually get a quote from him for this show. And Chrysler, still really want to talk about them, learn some pretty cool stuff, actually some really, really cool stuff, and uh, so we'll be talking about that as well. But that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Until next time, bye-bye.